1: Welcome to another Books of the Year podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. Today, coming to you, powered by string and tin cans, as uh, I'm trying to work out a way of communicating, one with Matt in his attic without my laptop, and the other with Abigail Dean, who's going to be talking to us about Girl A. Can you hear me, Matthew?
2: Yes. I I mean, witness our determination and dedication to do this pod in the fact that you are, yes, it it is coming up. You're you're just about coming through. It's like the 1940s all over again. Yes. London calling. Well done. Uh, So, yes, no, we're we're, we're, going to get through this, I think. We've got through the past year. I'm sure we can get through this.
1: We're speaking one week away from the launch of the new drive time show on greatest hits radio, where sport yeah. will be provided to you by the one and only Matt Williams. Yes, but indeed. with a little less Liverpool chat. Is
2: what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I think Let's so. Let's consider given...
1: what's happened. What's happened? What's happened to <laughs> Liverpool oh and the clip and the clock we clip and all that? The clock clip. Yeah, we can't win at home. We can't do any. We can't.
2: We can't get a point at home what is just absolutely amazing isn't it go yeah, w- once more buys into my theory that this season is just an odd season it's going to have an asterisk next to it i think is uh, everyone's going this was just a bit of an odd season it's it's a football season that had to happen because of you know tv companies and all that kind of stuff but yes. it's just not real football is it it's just not real <sighs> Uh, no fans. Depends. And also, uh, we are currently playing my nan and a three-year-old in central defence because everyone else is
1: injured. So, um, so yeah, it is. It's a very, very odd season to be a Liverpool fan. Anyway, but apart from that, this time next week, as we speak, in fact, depending on when you clock into this, Monday, March the 15th, four o'clock, Greatest Sixth Radio, we're going to be back, Matthew. We're going to be back doing that oh. thing that we used to do.
2: Yes, how much have I looked forward to this to this day coming? As we record now, it is a week away. We will be a week away from uh, going back on to Drive Time, which I can't wait for. It's going to be superb.
1: And just be absolutely clear that all the books chat will continue here. So I don't think we'll be doing books on uh, on the new Drive Time show, but we no. will be doing books right here. Um, as a tweet from Steve Bridge. Just heard this on your Books of the Year podcast tonight. Brilliant news. To get the team back together again, we'll definitely be listening. Congratulations. So, Stephen, a whole bunch of other people, um, thank you very much. And keep listening to Books of the Year. And you can email us uh, at any stage with all of your thoughts and observations. Um, Indeed. Year at yahoo.com.
2: well done, and and we should also say that uh, is it Tyrrells or Tyrells? Uh, the crisp people uh, Tyrells. they sent us a Tyrrells, is it lovely? Um, uh, so they sent us a big box of um, smoky barbecue crisps which I have been making my way through over the last uh, week or so. And uh, the tip I would say is don't try to eat an entire bag in one sitting as you will then wake up in the middle of the night with heartburn, uh, which is what I did. So, um, so yeah, so, no, uh, it's it's great news. And they are our official crisp
1: supplier now, uh, the Tyrrells people. Yeah, you see, I'm just wondering if I... Uh, do we want an official crisp supply? Because I agree they are fabulous yep. and barbecue is one of my favourite flavours. But, you know, there's there's a limit to, you know, if we want to make it to the second jab, for example, <laughs> there's a limit to the amount of crisps <laughs> that, that, that you can consume. Because I've had one jab, I quite like to make it to the second without having okay. a heart attack.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm in favour of us having a crisp supplier. I, you know, I'd rather that than an apple supplier, if I'm honest or a you know, uh, yeah. complicated European fruit supplier. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with just uh, crisps, thanks.
1: Some correspondence from our David Bedeel show. Viv Johnson, a truly thought-provoking podcast, balls of steel to David Baddiel and his brother for challenging the other Chelsea fans' hideous anti-Semitic chant. I've told a number of people that David Baddiel story, uh, which he told mm-hmm. on the last podcast. If you missed it, you can catch up with it. Turning around and facing abusive fans is you know is quite something I thought that was quite a tale,
2: yeah yeah no absolutely uh, and and David obviously also uh, was discussing uh, Roald Dahl and his uh, anti semitic views um, and michael Cor- Reverend Michael Corran. Uh, contacted us on Twitter to say, here's the thing, I was the journalist who did that interview with Roald Dahl. Uh, I just started the New Statesman. I wrote an article about it recently. I was 24, I think, way out of my depth. He was a deeply strange and disturbing man, consistently polite in his grotesque views, which made it somehow worse.
1: Uh, You can email us, Hazel hazelgrian.com. Um, this is stuff you're reading at the moment. I've started reading full The Mystery of Robert Maxwell, which I think, Matt, you were talking about
2: uh, in our last
1: show. You're right, it is astonishing. Would never have thought of it if you hadn't mentioned it.
2: Indeed. Uh, And Matt Fillmore um, says, My new reads have arrived. Uh, And those three reads are... Knife Edge by Simon Mayo, imagine. Hey, hey, now out be... on paperbacks, 7 dollars 99 <laughs> Boom. Um, How Not to Be a Boy uh, by Robert Webb. Now, Robert obviously was in for a different book, not for that yes. one, that's his first one. And uh, something called The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Who knows about that? <laughs> I mean, here's hoping, Richard, you know, keep on going, but it appears to uh, no one's reading that book at the moment, not selling no. at all. God bless, no. Richard. Just keep on going, man. At some point, it will happen for you, believe me.
1: Yeah. It's like the Charlie Mackesy book about, you know, the 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 horse and the dog and the boy uh, and all that. That's not selling uh, at all. No, you know? I mean, no. Every, no I just feel yeah. so sorry for Charlie oh, uh, and oh, for Richard. Charlie. I mean, you know, but maybe, you know, maybe things will turn around. Uh, Richard Wheatley, uh, where can I get a list of the winners um, of Book of the Various Years, please? <laughs>
2: Okay, so uh, we don't. I mean, mean, the uh, the books that we feature, we love. So we would say they are the books of the year. So basically, that's all of the books. So all you need to do to know our books of the year is to go back through our various books. And uh, with one exception, Cough, Cough, Ant Middleton, um, they are
1: all (laughs) books of the year that we will stand by. I've had it with the SAS. I've had it with explorers. I've had, I've had, had it, it with, with adventurers. I, You know, uh, that's okay. it. Fine. Be off, be off with you, all of you. And photographers. I mean, they... Photographers? Like photographers. Oh. They just... I mean, what's... <laughs> See, some kind of prejudice that's entirely valid. <laughs> and members of the wow. SAS who write books... I mean, don't come round to my house, please. But, you know... <laughs> Because Matt and I are pretty hard, but we're you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, we'll we'll have the lot of you. Yeah,
1: Abigail, it's very very nice to speak to you. Uh, the Abigail's book is called Girl A, and Matt will now describe the cover.
2: Yeah, very classy cover. Um, it's uh, yellow and black, so you've got a yellow A superimposed over, uh, well, it's a girl's face, but we can't really see um, the girl's face that much because uh, there's a black stripe over her eye uh, with the title Girl A, and then Abigail's name um, beneath that with uh, very nice testimonials from Paula Hawkins and Jesse Burton. Paula Hawkins loved it, apparently, as did, well, as did I, as did you, Simon, and as did uh, quite a few other people because this one's
1: been flying off the shelves. Abigail, take us into the world of Gurley. Introduce us to the story uh, about who she is and what's been going on here.
0: Sure. Um, Girl A is Lex, Lex Gracie, and she manages to escape from her parents' house when she's a child, Um, a house that becomes known as the House of Horrors in the press. And as she does, she um, frees her six brothers and sisters and she exposes her parents' religious cult and um, the the atrocities really that have been committed against the the children um, within the house. And Gurley starts 15 years after that, by which time Lex is a successful attorney. Um, She's living in New York. She she really does everything she can to avoid thinking about her past entirely until her mother dies in prison. And when she does, she leaves Lex and her siblings the family home, uh, the house of horrors, where they grew up which sort of forces Lex to return to the UK um, and to reconnect with her brothers and sisters and revisiting those old um, old battles and old alliances that I think are found in in every family uh, in order to decide the fate of, of the house.
1: Now, people, Abigail, who are listening to this, uh, who haven't bought the book already, who, who haven't read it, might think, OK, I, there have been other... In quotes, House of Horror stories before, and I'm talking about novels here. Um, Yours is definitely, it's in the same territory, but it feels very different because, as you've just explained, we start knowing that Gurley, knowing that Lex is okay. Did you always know that that was the way you were going to construct the story?
0: I did. Yeah, that there was never going to be any question, really, as to whether or not Lex escaped. And I think that's because, to be honest, the thing that really interested me about the story um, was what happens after the, the, the sort of crime has been committed. Um, you know, what happens So if you've been affected by something like this um, and, and terribly affected the way that Lex and, and her siblings have been, what, how do you live in in the sort of aftermath of that? And so I think that by having the escape very very early on, like you know in the first um in the first chapters, this definitely isn't a spoiler. Um, I, I sort of wanted the focus more to be on on how the siblings have dealt with what happened and and how that's affected their relationships with one another and how they have kind of grown from childhood into adulthood and and how the dynamics have shifted. Um, I I think I just found that the most fascinating part of the story in a way. And, And it also allowed the story, I think, to be a hopeful one. Um, and to be something that focuses really on Lex's strength and her resilience, um, and, and the way the different siblings have coped and failed to cope, um, rather than focusing on the uh, on the sort of trauma itself.
1: I imagine Abigail, you you took inspiration from these very traumatic real real life cases when they come in, um, and I find the details almost impossible. To read, you must have gone into some very detailed research here. I, I wonder, was there any point where you found where you found the kind of the darkness of these places quite distressing?
0: There, there were, I, I think, at times. I, I, I actually tried not to research kind of real life cases too much because I was very aware that you know I wanted this to be a fictional. Family and and so sort of beyond the headlines. I, I, my my reading was really more into sort of the psychology of how people might respond if something had had happened to to them like this as children. Mm. So sort of a lot of reading into Stockholm syndrome and um, into the, the the kind of rages that Gabriel experiences. But but I guess in a way that that that's also dark territory and and, and difficult reading as well. Um, So I I think for the most part I was okay, but I I know in the later stages of writing um, and sort of in the later chapters of the book, um, I I had to kind of impose a a cutoff for for, for my writing uh, because I, I quite like writing. Uh, late into the night and sort of you know post dinner um when it's kind of dark and and quiet but I was just finding that that meant that I was still awake at (laughs) 4am thinking about uh, about the characters and and about the story and yeah that that just makes it very hard to get up for work Mm. the next day so So, so, um I, I think there was a bit of haunting yeah
1: and when you say work what is work? Because presumably, with the stunning success of this book, you're a full time writer, surely?
0: Um, no, I I am not a full time writer. Um, I work as a lawyer for Google. Um, so that's my work that I have to get up for <laughs> for, for nine am every day.
1: Well, you're gonna you're gonna have to stop all that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's a strange one because a lot of people have said, well, you know, how's how's the day job? going um I like I, I'm definitely not um, not working the same hours that Alex works in the book just to reassure people um, I have a much easier life than than she does in Girl A. but um I, I kind of find law quite useful for writing um I, I think you know when I was writing as a teenager um, and into my early 20s I was I had such kind of flowery prose, and there were so many, for um, so many extra words. Um, and I think that being a lawyer made me a bit more ruthless. Um, it sort of made me question every word and the sort of repercussions that it has, um, in the same way that you do when you write a contract, I guess. Mm. So it's been useful so far. So we'll we'll see how it how it goes.
1: Do you think you do you think you could use your contacts to get this podcast bumped up the Google search? Please, because that, would, that, that, that would help, and and also it would help you and and the cell. So we, we'd all be helping <laughs> yes. each other.
0: Oh, I mean, I can see what I can do. I can't make any promises.
1: Oh no, okay. That okay. was i was an, I was, an, I was, an, I was kind of an unfair <laughs> question. But as this is, no, so I... so here's his so he so here you arrived with this extraordinary debut. Novel. Can I just ask, because I didn't start writing until I was in my 50s, you know, so I'm sort of even older. But when, when you delivered this book, is, is it basically what we're looking at now, or has it been changed or altered? Was the cast the same? You know, if we could see the original draft, what, what difference would there be, be between this Girl A and the original Girl A?
0: It was a pretty significant um, period of time of edits. So it, it very much was not, um, it, it's the, the final draft, um, you know, in printed form is definitely not what it looked like when I first sent it to agents. Um, and to give an idea of the time, the time frame. I mean, I, I think I sent sort of my finished version to agents in May 2018 and um, we finished editing kind of just over a year later um, so I think that actually it's May 2019 to sort of May 2020 I think um so yeah. I think yeah that that was a year of, of pretty intense editing in different sort of scopes um and, and it's strange because the the cast was the same um, the, the cast was the same and the story was substantially the same um which which sort of makes <laughs> makes the editing sound like it wasn't a particularly kind <laughs> of productive exercise um i think it's just a case that um i, I had very little idea about the uh, sort of really the, the rhythm of a book almost and, and the sort of reveals that happen, um, the, the way to keep a reader gripped. So I, I think a lot of the work was considering that um, and considering how different revelations would would land and, and when they would take place. Um, all of that stuff was really new to me and, and stuff that I just didn't understand, to be honest. And that was a great learning, learning experience that, that I could not have done on my own.
2: I, th- I think something you've ju- you've just mentioned there, Abigail, is is um, uh, part of the reason again why I really enjoyed the book, and that is that uh, of sort of drip feeding these revelations to us. Because even though you know that Lex gets out of the house, you don't know what has been going on inside the house, um, and that obviously is drip fed to you um, through the book. I do want to talk to you about her father and what and what he's doing and. Um it, it struck me that it would be really easy to write a book where the were Gabriel the, the, the sort of uh, patriarch in this house, um, who's founded this cult, um, he would just be indiscriminately cruel to his kids all the time and it would be very easy to write that book and and we'd straight away obviously our sympathies would straight away be with the children and and, and with his wife and yet that's not what you've written and in fact there's there's one uh, the, there was one line i underlined as i was reading it and um, because i think it really exemplified the 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 very um uh latent cruelty that he was um that he was exerting in that house and it's one where he you talk about him adjusting the rules of the house and tuning them to a pitch which the rest of us couldn't hear. And I, and the idea that you don't know whether you're breaking rules or not, you don't know whether you're angering him or not because he is arbitrarily changing what, what is right and what is accepted in the house.
0: Yes, I think that's where father is at his most terrifying in a way, um, that he, he is entirely unpredictable. Um, and, and at times he gives the impression that he, he really loves his children. Um, that, you know, that, that he cares about them deeply and is desperate to protect them and that the isolationism that sort of surrounds them is, it, it is something that he believes is, is best for them. Um, and I, I think it was really important to me, even with mother and father who are, you know, they, they're certainly characters who don't inspire sympathy. Um, I did want to inspire some understanding for them. Um, and I think there are moments in in the book um when father's father just is is such a pathetic character that it is difficult not to have some understanding for how um how bitter and isolated that he does become. Um, yeah, so I think yeah, sort of having straightforward villains has never really appealed to me because I think I, I want there to be sort of strands of humanity in them. And I think that's actually what makes them more frightening because that they then feel kind of more real in, in a way.
1: Was there a, was there part of this book, Abigail, that you were quite happy to leave behind? You know, I mean, w- when the characters are very real, you live with them 24 hours a day, you dream about them, you wake up in the night wondering what they're doing. But was there a section, as we're pleased that Girl A and her siblings escaped, was there part of you that was quite happy to leave this house behind?
0: I I think there was um I don't necessarily think because of the sort of subject matter of of the book um but I think it was the case that by the time editing was finished I had been um kind of obsessed with this story and with these characters for Nearly three years. Um, to the extent that I have like my girl A playlist, you know, and I have various, um, you know, songs that remind me of the Mm -hmm. characters. Um, you know, different novels that I would return to when thinking about different characters, and you know, they they are kind of the people you think about when you're on your commute. You know, (laughs) I I think that they do feel very very real. Um, certainly to me, and you know i think there's only so so long that that's maybe healthy <laughs> to to do for a particular yes.
1: novel yes What what um, and what's on the playlist yeah. there what what what, it, what is on that playlist if we you know if we're reading the book and sharing some of the songs what to, c- can you mention a few of them that are on there
0: yeah um i can so um there's quite a lot of florence in the machine um mm. so particularly sort of thinking about lex um, so Never Let Me Go, um, was a song that I listened to a lot, um, in, in that period of time. Um, there is also, um, I, I'm a really big fan of The Hold Steady, um, and Craig Finn, um, and particularly Craig Finn's lyrics, um, and there is a song called, um, Something to Hope For, which will always, I think, make me think of Gabriel, um, in some capacity. Uh, it was it was a sort of song that i listened to pretty much continuously when thinking about the fourth chapter of the book um which is the chapter that that focuses on, on him um and i also um oddly had a sort of section of the playlist that was um that was what i imagined playing at ethan's wedding um which is one of the sort of later scenes of of the book, um, including sort of songs that have some irony, I think, uh it, you know, once you've read it. So stuff like um Oh what a night, um uh, <laughs> and some sort of um really um like fantastic Motown songs. Um so so yeah, just just a real variety, but that that okay. now have sort of become entrenched with the book, I think.
1: My understanding, Abigail, is that you always wanted to be a writer. You know, you've always dreamt of being a writer. That you studied uh, English uh, uh, at Cambridge, and yet you also seem quite wedded to the to the Google job. Obviously, whether or not you can affect the Google search, obviously we will find <laughs> out uh, in uh, in fu- you know, in, in in future days. But I just want to, given that Girl A has sold around the world, and given that the film rights have been sold and so on, it's not, you know. I mean, I don't want to sound like your agent or your publisher, but you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do one or the other, aren't you, in the future?
0: Um. So I just want to clarify, just in case there's any uncertainty in people listening. Unfortunately, I don't have power to influence Google. search.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I, I promise. <laughs>
1: That's so what all this in interview
2: case. is going to be about.
0: No, I, I mean, I think Girl A would be, you know. The sales would be even even more impressive <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> so, so sadly, that that's not um ah, that's not within my power.
1: <laughs> okay, but, okay, um, reluctantly,
0: <laughs> reluctantly. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I I don't know. I I I think it is possible to be um to sort of have two roles uh, at at one time. And I think so many people do write while Um while doing another job um that's true it's it's difficult to say but I know I I often think of um I think there was a sort of profession in the I don't know if it was the sort of 18th century 19th century where somebody could be a kind of man of letters I think they they were sort of called and and it seemed that you sort of wrote you know you'd write your novels or your poetry and you'd sort of potter around a little you'd have a great study you know you would maybe do a bit <laughs> of law or you know you do, 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 do something else you nice do some i like politics. it yeah. um and i think maybe being a woman of letters would be um that maybe that's the dream I mean, that that's the new job that i should try to kind of craft um craft for myself
2: so so uh... Abigail, if you I, and obviously you're you're going to to want to write more, and and your agent and 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 certainly I as a, as a reader want to read more of what what you've got to write. Um, my instinct is it's not going to involve Lex, but I but obviously I could be wrong here. What what kind of avenue are you wanting to go down next? And I mean, is it is it going to have the same kind of tone as as Girl A?
0: Yeah, you're you're right in that it won't um, it won't feature Lex or, or or any of the Gracie family. Um, one of the really strange things I think about publishing is often as you're talking about one book, um, you've been sort of working on on another book for, for for quite a while. So, so over the last year or so, I have been um, working on my second novel. Um, So that's the kind of new obsession, I guess. That's, that's those are the new songs um, that that I'm, that I'm listening to. Um, And um, it, it, I think it does have a similar tone and and some similar themes to Girl A. Uh, It's a book about conspiracy theories And it follows two characters in the aftermath of of an attack that takes place. Um, One who loses her mother in that attack and the other who, miles away, um, believes that the whole thing was a hoax and so sets out to disprove that the people affected um, ever existed, that that it ever took place um and it follows those two those two characters in the the months okay. and, and the years after that attack. So is there anyone at your publisher
1: yeah. is there anyone is there anyone at your publisher who suggested you call it Girl B? <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then go all the way what? through the alphabet. Yeah.
1: Not <laughs> <But>, yet. <yeah. laughs> um, we got like, a series ready? here, we got a series. <laughs>
0: I mean, Boy A. I mean, Boy A would be another would be another option, I guess.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Fifty years. That's true. Excellent. Uh, all right. Well, that's it's a fascinating insight into into your writing and your writing style and what's coming next. But for the moment, until that new project arrives, Girl A is new from Abigail Dean. Abigail, very nice to speak to you. There will be more from Abigail uh, on our next podcast, which will be our uh, famous Q and A. Uh, session where Abigail will wander through our finally honed, nicely chosen um, questions. But for the moment, Abigail, thank you very much and congratulations on Girl A.
0: Thank you so much.